0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Crypto Hipster Podcast. This is your host, the Crypto Hipster, Jamil Hassan, where I bring you founders, entrepreneurs, executives, thought leaders, artists, musicians, you name it, all over the world in crypto and blockchain. And today, actually today and this summer season, I am bringing to you a new compilation episode. Last year, from seasons one, two, and three, I brought you the Crypto Hipsters Chronicles. And now, from season four and five, without further ado, I bring you the Crypto Hipsters Mysticals. And what that is, what it was last year, what it is this year, it's a compilation. It's a compilation of three or four podcasts together as like a montage. And on a certain topic or area of interest, in crypto and blockchain, pulling from my podcasts. And now, as we're heading into the summer of 2023, I bring to you the Crypto Hipsters Mysticals. And there's going to be 22 or 23 or 24 around there episodes. And I look forward to you looking forward to it. So thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you for, for enjoying my podcasts. And this is going to be a summer treat for everybody. So, please sit back, enjoy, and, uh, yeah, let me know your thoughts. This is Crypto Hipsters Mysticals, Episode 18. Bringing crypto to the real world by creating tools that enable a self-sovereign journey. This crypto hipsters mysticals episode is a compilation of clips from four crypto hipster podcasts. The first guest is Sarah Jane Kenny, who is the community champion at Algo Rand Foundation. Second, Nick Saponaro, who is the CEO and co-founder of the Divi Project. Third. Onur Akpalat, who is the ecosystem growth lead of builders at Interchain GmbH at Cosmos. And fourth is Ali Hussein, who is the founding advisor at Navigate. Enjoy. Yeah, I want to talk about that. Yeah, um, I, I think that's. I- I think that makes sense. Um, I'm obviously a Gen X and I'm not the, I'm not on TikTok. I'm not the best social media person, but then I see social media people, you know, shilling a, shilling a coin saying, Oh, the price is up, the price is down, and I like it because of the price. Well, why is she like it? I don't know. Price. And it doesn't make sense, but you know, risk risk management and stuff, like to me, I understand. So yeah. crypt, crypto has a has a major PR problem. Right? It has. Uh it's mostly negative, right? um and it's still there it's still there after all these years as a community ambassador right what can you help the community do and what can you help the industry do to improve this problem
1: i mean i think first we need to now this could be controversial but bear markets are also very healthy it's part of the cycle you got to get rid of the ponzi schemes um gotta get rid of the you know the tokens that are just there to to make some money quick which there's a lot of and it's very easy to spot but it's not easy to spot if you're just in just joining the community you know if you don't do a lot of research which i think we need to market more more like obviously we have the DYO or do your own research which i do think does help but at at a certain point people will just uh just type it and will just send it and won't even do it themselves which i think a lot of that happens um Ultimately, I think people will learn by getting burnt first and then until the cycle keeps going and going, people will actually start to learn that you do need to research. And a lot of a lot of the things, though, that is quite cool is it is interesting. It's not boring to research, or at least for me anyway, like you don't even have to research super technical and read the white papers. You know, just just do a simple Google and you know a bit more about whatever you're going to investing. But I feel like to get the communities to come together. We need a lot less food on the news mainstream media tend to target um web 3 a little bit uh but that's only because it's not institutionalized that's why i think algorand is a good representation of the blockchain industries to get institutionalized we have a turn award-winning founder which is like the the Nobel prize for computer science it's it's pretty unbelievable and um and with that algorand are making hires that like Stacy Warden, CEO of Algorand Foundation, she worked with J.P. Morgan, um, so it's it's quite quite big there. So I can already see some partnerships that would happen, that would work quite well. Obviously FIFA and Algorand, they had a partnership as well. I don't know if you heard about that, but basically there's a bunch of NFTs from FIFA now going onto Algorand. It's already out there. I think it's um, FIFA Collect or FIFA Plus One, and so. That is very, very cool, too, because we're making partnerships with the Web2 world, the real world, um, which I feel like will will just overall help how things are doing. There's a few other, Crypto.com. They do a lot of sponsorships for big teams. So if you like back in the day, and I say this as if I've been here for forever, which I haven't, but the Web3 world moves very fast. And I think, you know, that um, so every day there's something new which is why I like it. And I feel like people do like that fast pace sometimes, but we get to see Web3 more and more through like partnerships or sponsorships. And even just that, I feel like it helps people a lot more. Because um, like I ask like people now, like my relatives, and I'm like, oh, do you know this? And sometimes they're like, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. And actually older people tend to tend to know more about crypto because, well, I've seen more life experience, but they've heard of Bitcoin for the past 10 years or they've heard it like when it reached 20k for sure whereas gen z they it's only new to them but i think they see more of a opportunity with it in in some cases obviously not all but um it's because gen z are more used to being online i believe it's the same with you know social media and things like that it's just naturally in our you know nature but yeah i feel like the main thing is as long as people have the same goal and there's always going to be hate so it's just about getting through that but it's it's never going to change there's always there'll always be hate there's hate in soccer there's hate in everything but i don't think that will slow down the community that much it's still going to drive pretty hard and time will will be the essence of it all really um with time we'll see more and more mainstream You know mainstream cryptos that can be used for shops and things like that which already being used when bitcoin was first made actually there was markets where you could buy and sell with bitcoin and, and stuff like that and there's bitcoin um atms now i'm only saying bitcoin because obviously that is the main one at the moment but in el salvador um where they made bitcoin the legal tender that was actually um a partnership with Kobe Banks, as well, I believe, and they work a lot with Algorand. So, Algorand's sneaking in there again, you know, and it's quite cool to see that, but not many people know that side of it because maybe they're not on Twitter and deep in, into the Algorand side of things or researching it or reading blogs, which obviously not a lot of people want to do anyway. That's why we need to make it easier for people. And I think the way Web3 will work properly is when the blockchain is hidden and it's just there. It'll be much better that way. You know what I mean? It's tech. Who wants to learn about tech unless you're a tech person? So we need to stop putting it in people's faces that way and just build, build your companies and put it in there. And, you know, maybe put it like somewhere like, oh, we use blockchain tech. And then people who want to read that, they can read that. You know what I mean?
0: Might, I might have some meme coins. Uh, they might be building some things for people <laughs> got to do their own research right. so
2: there's nothing wrong with me. Meme coins are a great onboarding mechanism actually for for the industry. Um it's just important to know like you know what you're getting into and the the real po- potential of of certain things. Yeah, I agree. So um you said industry first
0: solution earlier. Um, you are creating that industry first solution um, that solves the Ponzi problem, right? What which which Ponzi problem? Like there's a bunch, right? Or right. you know, which one do you solve, and how, and why, and what are the different types of Ponzi problems?
2: <laughs> yeah, most of the DeFi platforms that have been developed and deployed over the past, especially in the past like year and a half, I would say, um, have crumbled because they essentially rely on just onboarding new users who, uh, you know, supply liquidity and and basically buy the bags of the people that came before them, so Ponzi. That's straightforward. Then we got really complex and convoluted with things like Time, Wonderland, and things like that. And they call those thermodynamics Ponzinomics, right? Like super complex, deeply ingrained, uh, mathematically driven uh, game theory and things like that. And it's like, the more complicated it is, the less you really understand. So you're just like, well, the guy's smarter than me, so <laughs> I'm just gonna jump into this. And eventually, you know, the carousel stops and you may or may not be holding the golden ring. Um, and again, it, it just comes back to the same issue of like sustainability and where are those rewards actually being generated from? If it's like a rebase mechanic where you're literally taking funds and just repurposing them through the ecosystem, giving them back to, you know, taking from Peter to pay Paul, et cetera, um, that's Ponzi. So I think by, by A, having a, a layer one blockchain that, has a consensus-based mechanism that produces uh, new coins on a regular basis to people that are supporting and validating transactions in the network. That's step one, Um, but then also having more utility around that coin and and allowing people to use it in other things. And even if it's just NFTs and, and simple fun things, games, all these things we already have in our ecosystem. Again, coming back to the fact that we've already built out most of the ecosystem, it's become very robust. So you have a, a sustainable place to, to play around in, in crypto and in DeFi without worrying that, you know, the rug just going to get pulled one day. You know,
0: um, so let's talk about some of these DeFi platforms. You know, they still, and you said rugs and you, you named a couple. Of, how are they still fraught with danger, right? DeFi, you know, and when CeFi ended up being the riskiest investment, one could have
2: ever made (laughs) yeah it's um it's interesting how how that turned out although not very surprising you know as we spoke about in the beginning the centralized points of failure are doomed regardless of uh of how great you know the people behind it are um i think the issues in DeFi are mostly around code standards so a lot of bridges get hacked um you know Five protocols get hacked, smart contract failure, et cetera. Those things are the danger. That will change as well, right? The code standards in, in crypto are, are still catching up to the traditional tech world because most of the people building crypto projects are just not coming from the traditional tech world. They're kids who just learned how to code um, or jumped into this new thing without understanding security standards. Like, we just need to get to the point where we have well-defined security standards and that doesn't mean just sending it to hacking and hoping that they give you a you know a passing rating it means like test-driven development having real devops workflows and things like that that normal tech companies have um, those things will help increase the standards and eliminate or mitigate some of these um, some of these dangerous you know smart contract failures
0: awesome so I asked that because you know, you're, you're building, you're building, you know, your real personnel to help develop the chain and, you know, you are, you are, you know, you have people who is beneficial to, to programmers to join. But how can like people, what are some of the technical and non technical skills that you think will help people get into this next generation of the crypto spring? That's going to come.
3: That is a very difficult question, And That is a very difficult question because I think we're still so early that a lot of the work I'm seeing is focusing on the underlying infrastructure. And now, give like taking another example, for example, it, you know, if you would ask the people that have that built the internet, right, like the protocols such as TCP, IP, HTTP back then, on how the future would look like. Like, I'm not sure if if they would be able to see, you know, and and, and also liked what the internet became. So in that sense, it's hard to answer for me. The only thing I'm seeing is the following. I don't think the world is going to be crypto versus non-crypto or blockchain versus non-blockchain. I think, you know, blockchains will provide certain primitives that at the end of the day will be superior to the alternatives and why are they superior because they're more secure more transparent and cheaper let me give you examples for three primitives the simplest one is payment what do we have today we have credit cards we have stripe maybe we have a couple other vendors and it's already way better than before because imagine the world before how fragmented everything was and sometimes you had to go to like places to to deposit cash and send to another country that's way easier i think blockchain are are definitely making that even more even easier than it is with uh, existing centralized trusted systems today um a second example in my in my mind is um, let's call it authentication so authentication is basically um when you think about like username passwords um you you have you have a, a system that is a de- potentially decades old and requires you to store a bunch of different passwords. However, I think, you know, a wallet-based security is, is much, much um, simpler and it allows you to have kind of private, public-private key cryptography. And that is um, much, much simpler than, you know, having to maintain 500 passwords, use a password manager. I think like this system will work. So in the future, if I want to authenticate and do something and verify that it's me, I will just use my wallet. And then the third thing would be membership so for example i have so then and and the third system in my mind are membership primitives so membership can have many forms you know we have maybe a gym membership maybe we have a membership for a game or like another online tool and usually they all work the same and it's all interrelated right like i have some some login i have some billing system and some payment and as long as i pay i maintain my membership but I think for example, NFTs, something that you mentioned earlier, could be the primitives that will revolutionize memberships because it, it, could, it could be so that if I have a wallet, it's the second thing that I just mentioned, the public private key cryptography for signing. And I do have an NFT in that wallet, which is the third thing membership that I'm describing right now, that, allow, that gives me access to certain content or even in the physical world to certain venues. Like I can show my wallet, That i have this nft that i either got or acquired somewhere and this is so crazy because you can even think of it this way like if you're an artist and you put your art your artifacts into nfts and then users hold this nfts then other artists could basically distribute their art based on your the people that have your art you know what i mean and brands can do the same if brands really like an artist They can say hey you know i want to distribute um you know this voucher or access to this new product that i'm building or you know access to this venue and this concert that i'm creating to certain people that hold an nft and that that is open like no one can prevent that um so it's almost like um a new level of composability both financially but also from a from a relationship perspective with with peers that didn't exist before And i know some of these are still relatively abstract and not super specific but this is how i see kind of the the future and how everything everyone will use blockchains in the future they won't even know that they will use blockchains right like the payment that you do in a couple years from now will be powered by a blockchain and you won't know it um the the ticket that you use to get access to some like some 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 sort of membership might be powered by, by an nft and you don't know it and the wallet you maintain. To sign certain transaction and authenticate that it's you will be powered by public private key cryptography and you won't notice it so this is kind of my view of of the future and i think right now because we are in the infrastructure st- uh, stage we're still calling it blockchain we're still calling it DeFi. we're still calling it whatever we call it but i think these all need to be ex- abstracted
0: i was listening to you and and i remember back in 2004 i was backpacking in southeast asia and we took a truck ride from uh, a pickup truck ride from anchor Wat to the thai border hmm. two hours in the back of a truck got totally kicked there was no roads there was just a dirt so <laughs> that was fun um so you know how about you know that was the ma- that's the macroeconomic environment how about the micro like how? Ha- how do individuals start to participate in this data capture and ownership process, right? You said it's a centralized, so they can build um, businesses and opportunities in Web3.
4: Yeah. So the way that it's all kind of architected right now is obviously the consumers are uh, the, sorry, not the consumers, the contributors are kind of the backbone of the whole ecosystem. Um, by, you know, providing images and imagery that is uh, might even be of the same place, but at different points in time, that is valuable because you don't need to just capture a place once, right? The whole idea and model here is that you capture the same place again and again and again, so you can uh, kind of create these models that show you changes over time. Uh, they could show you, you know, the state of a city, prior to and after a really bad thunderstorm so on and so forth just some random examples there so in order for us to get contributors on board and to to hit critical mass this can't be web3 only you know people in web3 get the value prop in terms of you know Um, this is data that you contribute, that if it is used by anyone to build an app on top of, and as the Navigate ecosystem grows, you start to benefit more and you get rewarded more. So that's one piece, right? Like you're not just giving away data for free. And a great example of this is Waze. Uh, that eventually then got acquired by Google. But there, you know, one of the things that people loved about it was hey, if you open up ways, you can see where the cops are, or you can see where there's a traffic accident that just happened. And that was all crowdsourced. And, and to my knowledge, you know, the contributors who were contributing that data didn't really get anything in that billion dollar acquisition um, or even prior to that. So, There's, that's kind of one piece that I think resonates with the web three crowd, it makes sense to them just because of, you know, where they are. Um, On the web two side, and especially in, I think in the climate that we're in, uh, tokens and all of that stuff gets hard to explain. So one of the things that we did was um, we launched the Navigate marketplace, which allows you to go in Um, you know, as you are earning these tokens off of your contributions, uh, you can redeem these tokens as you would any reward points for uh, gift cards at retail stores. And so that's a model that obviously has existed in the past, done very well. Uh, People understand it, it's not complicated to explain. Um, And that's kind of more geared towards, uh, you know, the Web2 native audience. Um, so that you can kind of see a line from okay, if I give you an image, what do I get? Well, if you give me X images, you get a gift card. Um, so that's kind of how we're uh, you know building it out at the micro level when it comes to contributors. And then you talked about applications. Um, obviously, the Navigate Foundation is building the first. Set of applications on top of this platform, uh, but as the ecosystem grows, um, you know the whole idea is to get developers onboarded to add, uh, you know, to make available all of this data, the raw data, and then uh, the foundation would also want to make available. Um, these AI pipelines that we're talking about, right, ones that will get insights from these images and the video, etc. to allow individuals to build their own dApps. And when you do that, if, you know, I, as a developer, use a lot of imagery that you've uploaded, when people uh, use my application, um, and they're obviously dealing in navigate tokens, you will get some of the royalties rather than, I mean, and this is just kind of a, um, you know, you can draw similar to the, uh, similarly to the Apple model, where instead of 30% going to Apple, you have percentages going to people who made your app possible uh, by providing you the core data.